You're listening to the On The Go With VAO News Podcast for the week ending April 1st, 2016. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is our weekly recap of the top headlines from this week's daily acquisition news. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Bill Olver, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Dara Curran, content developer and fellow news writer. Thursday, March 31st, was the first effective day of several changes to the Federal Procurement Data System Next Generation. Agency program and contracting officials must now use activity address codes, or AACs, to identify awarding and funding offices when procurement awards are entered into FPDS. The change is part of an effort to implement a Uniform Procurement Instrument Identification, or PIID, numbering system, and was incorporated into the FAR in November 2014. Here's who to make sure you loop in on the change. Your funding office program managers will need the code for the office that will be providing the majority of funding to include in requests. And contracting officers and contracting specialists need both the awarding and funding office codes to record actions in FPDS. Be aware that the format of the codes and maybe the names of some of the offices will look a little bit different in the system. Changes can be made in the future to these as well, and those will be managed by the agency. The new codes will be part of the PIID changes to be rolled out by October 1st, 2017, and new office names will be used in the integrated award environment. You want to be sure everyone's aware of the change and implementing it carefully, since errors will need correcting and may be reported to Congress, GAO, and OMB, as well as on the performance.gov and usaspending.gov websites, in addition to inclusion in agency small business goal and competition reports. Effective March 20th, DOD has frozen civilian hiring at the Office of the Secretary of Defense, Defense Agencies, and Field Activities until the department completes plans and analyses to help right-size its workforce. A February memorandum from Deputy Defense Secretary Bob Work indicates the freeze will remain in effect until DOD establishes an approved delayering plan and updates its fourth estate strategy and major headquarters activities authorizations to reflect that plan. OMB is continuing its efforts to consolidate common government purchases with a draft policy that would require agencies to reduce their contracts for mobile devices and services. Annual spending government-wide in this area tops $8 billion, pretty much all going to just for carriers, but there are more than 1,200 separate agreements out there governing this spend. To get a better handle on what agencies really need and right-size the inventory, OMB wants agencies to report info on all their plans and services by the end of May. That information will be fed to GSA's acquisition gateway. OMB wants agencies to stop issuing any new solicitations and route their new needs through GSA's wireless GWAC and, starting in May, conduct quarterly assessments as identifying opportunities to streamline and consolidate their mobile purchases and consolidate all mobile spending to one contract per carrier by September 2018. A new team of mobile service experts established through the Category Management Initiative will support agencies in working out their needs and meeting that deadline. You can check out the full details, which include not lining up to buy the latest Apple device the day it's released, in our news coverage of the draft guidance, and you can submit your comments to OMB through GitHub. The Department of Veterans Affairs has awarded places to three firms on its Medical Disability Examination Program, which is intended to accelerate decisions on veterans' disability benefits claims. 
The contracts have a 12-month base period and four 12-month options and together are valued at $6.8 billion. On Wednesday, Office of Management and Budget Director Sean Donovan announced the creation of the Core Federal Services Council. Now, this council is intended to improve the customer's experience with federal programs. OMB defines core federal services as public-facing transactional services in which a business or individual obtains a service or authorization from the government. Uh, For example, think of things like TSA's airport security screening process, IRS's taxpayer services, uh, federal student aid, FEMA disaster relief, uh, patent approvals, and trademark registrations. Any transaction where taxpayers, either individual or business, obtain a significant service from the government. Now, the council will include representatives from these programs who will identify challenges and share best practices for improving customer service. The programs represented on the council currently are those with a large customer base and high volume or a high impact on the customers they serve. The council may be expanded in the future, but it's starting with the big guys. Mm. OMB has asked agencies to submit the names, titles, and contact information of the council members who will represent the identified programs by April 8, 2016. In regulatory news, the Department of State has published a proposed rule that would amend its regulations to make some procedural changes related to the department's suspension and debarment process. Short version, the proposed rule will allow a single fact-finding official to be used instead of a fact-finding panel. Hmm. Comments on the proposed rule must be submitted by May 27th to be considered in the formation of a final rule. And NASA has published a proposed rule that would make some technical changes to remove language that is duplicated in the FAR as well as superseded guidance in the NASA FAR supplement. Comments on the proposed rule must be submitted by May 27th as well to be considered in the formation of a final rule. So, as the avid Fatara aficionado that you are, you attended the Mary Talk Fatara forum this week, right? I did. I did. It was a very good event. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, very, very well put together. Uh, it was representatives from GAO, staff members from OMB uh, talked about uh, Fatera implementation and, and some of the next steps. Uh, there was officials from Justice, uh, USDA, and Health and Human Services. Uh, you know, folks mainly from the CIO area. Mm-hmm. Um, all of whom, you know, all those agencies have made really good progress implementing various aspects of Fatera. So it was good to hear from them as far as you know what they're doing, you know what their challenges are, you know what what what's worked for them, right? Um, and and how well it's going. Mostly, these guys sounded like it was going very well for their agencies. We know it's not going well for everybody, um, as we'll as we'll discuss uh, on the podcast today. Um, USDA in particular. Um, has a really strong leader implementing the new CIO authorities mm. and uh, ensuring that there's strong communication and collaboration across the, the C-suite level of, of the senior leadership. So he, the USDA is just sounds like they're just, they really took it to heart. So it's very good. Mm. Um, keynote speaker, I, I guess he was the keynote speaker. He was the, he was the breakfast breakfast speaker, uh, was Dave <laughs> Pounder. Very good food, I got to say. If you ever have a chance to go to an event at the museum, the catering at the museum is quite good. <laughs> oh, and it was at the museum? Ooh, you, it was. You it get was the very exotic cool. assignments. All right. I know. I know. It's very cool. And food, A+. Plus. Um, Dave Pounder um, was the first speaker. He's GAO's director of IT management issues. And he talked about the Fatera scorecards, which, you know, we talked about those last, last I guess it was Christmas time when they were released. It had a lot of C's and D's. Nobody was real excited about it. Um, and fortunately, those are not going to go away, uh, Pounder said. Um <laughs> Uh, but they did, they did, you know, they were very careful to point out that, you know, yes, there are mitigating factors, you know, that's just a first, first crack at the scorecards. They're not dinging anybody for getting a D, um, you know, they wanted to use it as an improvement uh, benchmark. 
Oh, sure. Um, I mean, who's going to get all A's right out of the gate of first implementation, whack, forget it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. They really want to use it as a baseline to see where they are. Uh, And GEO is going to be expanding that reporting um, beyond just a few things that were on the the scorecard. Uh, The the first scorecard focused on self-reporting of things like data center consolidation, how much agencies are using their agile uh, development techniques. And so uh, GEO is going to be looking at... um, Agencies plans for implementing the CIO authorities, which have all been submitted to OMB, and most of them have been approved. I think there's a couple outstanding uh, that OMB is still working with the agencies on. Um, GEO also is going to be examining other areas related uh, to the FATERA mandates, and uh, we'll be looking for two new audits due out by this summer. I think one as early as April and the other uh, maybe in June. Um, both are going to be important for any agency contracting office that is working on IT. Uh, you know, any of our IT contracting folks are going to be want to look look out for these. Um, first, uh, Geo is auditing agencies self-reporting on agile development, mm. and uh, Pounder said, you know. It looks like so far, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't throw out any numbers, but it's like, yeah, it looks like agencies may be over-reporting how much they're actually using Agile, over-reporting the percentage of projects or the amount of a project that is is Agile. Um, you know, he he threw out some high numbers, you know, like the agencies are saying like three quarters of our projects are using Agile, and he's like, eh, not so much, probably not. <laughs> So, you know, I had I didn't write down the exact numbers that he said I was taking notes furiously, but it was you know, he he quoted a high agency self-report number and a fairly low actual number. Um so we'll ha- so we'll see I think what agencies are considering agile development and what they're counting and what GAO is going to say to the contrary. So, heads up you know, if you're involved in agile, you want to, you know, make dot your dot your eyes and cross your t's to make sure, you know, kind of really get a good feel of what you're doing because G is on that case. Well, that's um, I mean, it's super fuzzy. I don't even know what I would say is oh yes, that counts as agile, and that doesn't. You know, there's different kinds of there's different parts of the strategies, and yeah, you know, what percentage of the project does need to be done that way for it to count? If you have one little rollout, that's you know, I mean, ugh. so yeah, I I'm curious to see what the definitions actually are that they're expecting agencies to adhere to right right um, i don't think that you know, have they set that <laughs> maybe not that's what i that's what i that's what i was gonna say i don't i don't really <laughs> I don't think so i mean that. just just going back through you know in my memory of what you know what we've talked about as far as agile reporting and how much I mean, there's best practices but i don't i don't know that omb ever set out like okay it only counts as agile if you have abc i mean there's some high level stuff it has to be delivering functionality every six months it has to right, be modules. incorporating user feedback but i don't i don't know that they ever really laid it out like how to report a percentage of. So that's probably why we're seeing so many discrepancies is because everybody's doing it differently, mm-hmm. right? So, so I think we're going to have a change to that. Right. <laughs> once, once GAO gets its report out, we'll be seeing probably something new on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, GAO also is going to be uh, looking at agency self-reporting to the IT dashboard. And that, is, of course, tracks the performance and risks of major IT programs. Um, GAO uh, reviewed 100 major investments uh, that are reported to the IT dashboard, 96 of which are still in development, and uh, they're going to compare the agency risk assessment uh, to its own findings on those on those 100 projects. Um, so 
Pounder hinted also that self-reporting might be a bit rosier than reality. Um, <laughs> well, and sure. I mean, is this going to surprise anybody? But, you know, I mean, we've heard lawmakers point that out, too. Oh, there's not very many projects that are showing in the red on the dashboard, but there's still a significant number that fail. And, right. you know, it's yeah, there's there are there's clearly gaps somewhere here. Yes. Again and again, and again I would I would. I would make the generalized assumption that everybody's counting it differently. Right. And the IT dashboard is really, GEO has said this and lawmakers have said this, that the IT dashboard is kind of a blunt instrument. There's not, it's yellow, green, red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a lot of nuance as mm-hmm. far as, you know, nobody wants to be in the red, but maybe they should be by, you know, by certain standards. So I think we're, you know, we're going to see what, what the discrepancy is there and, and probably get some more best practices as far as assessing risk and, um, you know, reviewing really what's going on with your programs. Well, and maybe if they, you know, if they make it no fault, you know, hey, yeah, send your red flag up and we'll get a tech stat going immediately to give you support uh, that you need. But on the other hand, sometimes you don't know until you try to stand up your thing. I mean, look at, look at, you know, HCA and the government marketplace. They didn't know it didn't work until launch day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right, and that came up. You know, that came up a couple of times during the event. Um, you know, especially since HHS was there. You know, it was a rather awkward moment where somebody, someone from the audience, goes, "So, healthcare.gov," and they're like, "We knew you were going to say yeah, that." Yeah, and they the all poor, went collectively. The yeah, poor HHS it. officials. They're like, and 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 one of my, I, one one of the officials, like, none of us are from CMS. I just want to say that. Right. Please do not throw your uneaten fruit. <laughs> yes, yes, poor thing, poor poor folks. But they did, you know, they did. The HHS officials did, um, you know, talk about some of the good things actually that came out of the healthcare.gov uh, challenges and the problems. It's like you know we have much better communication. The silos are much lower. When when the thing crashed, it was all hands on deck. There wasn't any you do it, you do it. I'm not doing it. Everybody that was needed jumped on healthcare.gov to fix it, and as a result. Their silos across their components are much lower now. And so when they need help, when they need collaboration, these folks have kind of broke the ice and worked together. It's a bad way to break the ice. Um, but is. HHS said, you know, you know, every every you know, every disaster is an opportunity, is that whatever the phrase is. Um, you know, they really took the lessons learned to heart, it sounded like, and they, they are collaborating much more. The, the the barriers are down. They're, you know, they're asking for help across organizational lines. Um, so there was, you know, there was some positive um, out of it. I mean, not that anybody wants that to happen at their agency. Yeah, but um, that rescue visible. effort, it, it was really impressive. I mean, it was. It, was, it was a model of selfless cooperation uh to yes. to get it fixed so and that's yeah that that's what i that's what i took away from from the panel discussion with the hhs folks um you know they they were very they they were they all sounded very positive about yeah that was a bad thing to happen but you know we have you know we have flags in place where you know for that kind of thing that we we would catch that kind of thing earlier and we're collaborating better. And so it, it was a good, uh, that was a good discussion as well. Right. Okay. Well, um, we've just to move back to where we were. Which is okay. Uh, so um, geo, the red, green, yellow, where, what's their next st- plan on, on that? 
Well, you know, that's again, we're expecting the report on that. I think that one is the one that's due out in June. Okay. Um, okay. By summertime. So we'll be seeing that soon. Um, I, again, my expectation would be that GAO is going to be talking about the methodologies that agencies are using. I don't think anybody's self reporting an error on purpose. Oh. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody's, you know, submitting junk reports to Congress, but I, that pure conjecture on my part, but I, you know, I, I think it's going to be they're not gathering enough information or maybe they're not gathering the right information and you know maybe the methodologies for uh, considering the amount of risk that's in their project um, is it's probably I'm sure not consistent across all agencies I mean that's that's a huge area and that those are things that GA finds all the time right you know you didn't have enough information and you're not using a good methodology to now analyze it uh, so that would that would be my expectation but again we'll see that in June so it'd be very interesting to follow that okay now you had so many CIOs that there, a lot of times we don't hear their perspective on how Fatara is rolling out. So what was what was the input that right? They must have talked about this. They did, they did. And um, again, yeah, we had we had folks from USDA, HHS, uh, Department of Justice were all very positive about it. Um, you know, I'm sure that's why they were invited because they were all you know all those those three departments are the, are, are some that we hear frequently mm-hmm. um, have really taken Fatara to heart and are just going great guns on it. Some of them were doing some of these things, uh, you know, more collaboration, more communication um, before Fatara was enacted, so they had a little bit of a head start. So so they the the folks that were there were very positive about it. Um, now David Pounder also talked about what he's hearing from CAOs about Fatara. Um, on the plus side, CEOs are saying that Fatera gives them greater visibility uh, into their agency's contracts, uh, more opportunities to identify and streamline their contracting, get rid of duplicative contracts. You know, they've got the visibility. They can see this stuff and start consolidating or getting rid of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, CEOs said their agencies also are, are paying more attention to Agile. Um, some, however, said their agencies are treating Fatera as a compliance exercise, just, you know, checking the boxes um, rather than an opportunity to strengthen collaboration and communication across their leadership levels. Oh, uh, and that is not what the law was intended to do at all, unfortunately. So no, that is not the spirit of the law. Um, so um, some CIOs are reporting conflicts with their bureau CIOs, which everybody predicted. Everybody knew passed. that was going to happen. Seriously, <laughs> yes. Um, as some uh, chief financial officers, CFOs are concerned um, about losing control over their projects and their offices. Um, some audience members, uh, you know, you know, pitched in during the Q and A sessions, and they pointed out. That CFOs also um, very often are double-headed as the chief acquisition officer. Um, CFOs have IT projects that are under their direct purview, right? They're not just looking at the money. They're actually, it's their thing. It's their baby. So they, they're they're concerned about giving up control. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pounder did say that CFOs have said, or CIOs have said, they are much more successful when they have a good working relationship with their CFOs. If they were, if they're working together, things go great. And uh, Pounder did note, actually, under Fatera, CFOs can continue to control their IT projects. No one's taken their projects away from them; they can keep them. Um, but the CIO must be the accountable authority for oversight and for managing those projects. Uh, well, that's a tricky dynamic. That's definitely going to take some working out and you right. know back and forth. So it, that's not. That's not something that happens overnight. No, 
No, especially especially not something as challenging as establishing those those kind of authorities. Um, but agencies can look forward uh, to a lot of oversight. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Geo's oh, got good. a lot. Of, <laughs> yes, they love the oversight. Um, you know, Geo's got a lot of reports going, and you know, there, there were just the two that Pounder um, really went to a little bit of detail about. But he, you know, he certainly signaled that there was plenty more coming over the next year. Um, you know, the House Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on IT. Um, you know, they're the ones that put out uh, the scorecards, and they're really the ones uh, focusing on FATERA implementation. And uh, Pounder lauded them for taking a bipartisan approach uh, to grading the agency efforts, um, agreeing on like the focus areas and what the scorecards would be and how stringent they needed to be. Uh, and, you know, in fact, he said that people probably would be very surprised which members of the committee – wanted the Fatera scorecard to be more strict or more stringent. Um, you know, he said all the members of the subcommittee had their own, you know, pets, right? Their own specific areas where they wanted more information, more action, more GAO activity. He, it wasn't, um, he didn't say this specifically, but it wasn't a Republican versus Democrat kind of thing. It, the, as a group, they all had their areas that they were very interested in and it, and it wasn't um, a partisan um, effort you know, to to put the scorecards together, or to make agencies look bad, or to make them look good. Um, so he, you know, he was, you know, he was very, very adamant about that, which was a good thing. It's a very good thing. Uh, so that panel definitely has its eye on the ball. Um, unlike the Clinger Cohen Act, um, which you know, Pounder brought up, you know, a lot of the main sponsors moved on from government um, not long after the bill was enacted. Um, oversight wasn't picked up by other members on like you know oversight panels or spending panels in a very concentrated way. And uh, Pounder said that Fatera oversight is being taken much more seriously and will continue to be uh, taken seriously, even if, uh, you know, p- members of the committee move on, they go to other assignments or mm-hmm. they, they leave office. <clears throat> um, he also said that the, the, the change in administration is not probably not going to have much effect on Fatera implementation mm-hmm. in right. part because Congress is on it. Um, it's not going to matter really who's in the white house necessarily, unless there's some, you know, earthquake um you know he actually believes uh the transition between cios is the most challenging mm-hmm. aspect um you know he said uh, you know cios stay in their roles for a couple of years maybe two wow. you know 18 months two years and then they move on and so when they come in they're looking for quick wins right they're looking for you know good things to do right away you know and, and even if they have like a long-term reform plan they do their quick wins. They put the reform plan together, and they're burned out, and they're on their next, onto the next thing, mm-hmm. and the next CIO starts all over again, right? The uh, next CIO yeah. goes, "Where's my, where's my quick wins? Let's get a reform plan going." And there's, there's, the, it's more of a challenge when your CIO is changing than you know maybe when your president's changing, just for this in, in this specific area. Hmm. Interesting. So. We expect a lot of activity from GAO this year. That'll start with those upcoming reports on agile development, which it clearly sounds like there's a need for, and and the IT dashboard. Yes, yes, and we'll, we'll obviously we'll keep following Fatera. There's other. Yeah, I'm still kind of debriefing after the event. There's a lot of a lot of information to digest, um, but there's a lot of good stuff presented. Like we like we talked about the discussion, you know, sparked some ideas for us. You know, some areas that maybe we can research and you know, look into some best practices and and some more ideas that we can share with our listeners. So and, you know, we'll definitely have more to discuss on future podcasts. Maybe see what uh, what kind of info we can present uh, in other ways too. Mm. 
So that's, uh, I think that's all for this week. Um, I'm out of stuff. So if you're a government agency <laughs> subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can find links to this week's headlines for further reading on VAO on the same page where you downloaded this podcast. We hope you will join us on Thursday, April 7th for our next monthly update webinar, where the VAO team will recap the top developments from the month of March. Bill and I will be on that, so come join us for that. And we thank you for tuning in today. We hope you will join us again for our next Daily News podcast, which will occur on April 8th. Goodbye.